professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. And welcome to Episode 8, Great American Bash 1986. Gab, baby. That's not the tagline. No, it's not. It's Ringmasters. Which is technically the same tagline for 85. Uh, It's uh, Ringmasters to the ringing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Is it the desolation of the bash? Yeah, the desolation of Smaug. (laughs) Great American Bash 86 was the second event series produced by Jim Crockett. I like that, event series. Crockett Productions for the NWA. Kind of the name of a tour that happened in 1986. Oh, yeah. It's July through August. It's a summer tour. Yeah, it started July 1st, ended August 2nd. That basically had several high caliber shows in cities such as Philly, DC, Memphis, Charlotte, Charleston, West Carolina, West, West Carolina, West, Carolina <laughs> West Virginia. Is that your dusty? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cincinnati, Roanoke, Virginia, Jacksonville, Richmond, Virginia, Fayetteville, North Carolina, Johnson City, Tennessee. Norfolk, Virginia, Greensboro, North Carolina, and last but not least, Atlanta. You can't not go to Greensboro. <laughs> exactly. That's flair country right there. But while this tour was happening between July 1st and August 2nd, what else was happening in the world? The Statue of Liberty had just celebrated its centennial. Have you been to the Statue of Liberty? I have been to the Statue of Liberty. I don't know if I walked in. I went as a I didn't go in. I, I went as a kid. I think that island. we might have done like the ferry around it or whatever. It was like, ah, I don't know. It was like the early 90s it was like probably before i was in kindergarten but my mother and my mother's side of the family is from long island so i went there a couple times as a kid statue of liberty i mean it's big i've seen cooler shit exactly (laughs) just a big stone lady yeah it's green it's a nice color green yeah jinder mahal would be born during this tour the modern day maharaja exactly but when were the oh i can't think of this the what are the brothers names singh brothers singh brothers yeah that's all I got. Okay. I, was like, I don't have, I, I don't have anything with that. to say about gender at all. We, we probably should never have much to say about gender, Mahal. I, the only thing that not I... Not for a couple years. My only thought about him is that, like, it's like, how is he on TV with, like, obvious, like, steroid acne? That's all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, the video that we have for Great American Bash 86... Looks mm, like trash. It's not on the network. No. And it's basically an old VHS videotape that the nwa released so it's out there you can find it it's a it's a highlight video it's basically a two-hour highlight video and they get our bumpers in between they say that it's from all of the tour stops but it's basically from greensboro and from well i just went blank and sure i'm not sure you can tell that they're yeah greensboro and charlotte i'm sorry i know it's the two north carolina stops it's a bunch of matches from the two spots, and I'll tell you where they're from. And so the video has also been edited. Some of the, the matches, matches have been, been like edited, trim, trimmed down so there, for time. So there's some weird cuts at, at places. Some you can tell, some you can't. They're not as I don't feel like the cuts are as, as egregious as they were in uh, the '86 yeah. or '85 tape. Yeah, exactly. And here's the thing: this first match that we're going to cover. Pretty sure we're not it's on the tape. Pretty sure it's not on the tape, exactly. But where we got. The video from... Yeah, I'm sure it's probably the one that's out there. This match was added on at the very beginning. So if you're... no one else, yeah. like, even mentions it during the video at Yeah, all. and there's bump... Like, there's, a like, in-studio bumpers between yeah. each match where they talk about it, and there's not one that just starts right up. I thought it was weird because I... Like, like literally, it looks file. like someone's Panasonic camera from the crowd, I like, mean, starts kinda... the... <laughs> I mean, true, but... You get what I'm saying. Yeah. So if you're if you're if you find it and it starts with Flair and uh, Hawk. Rick, yeah. First match: Ric Flair versus Road Warrior Hawk with Paul Ellering in the corner. The match is actually for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, which Rick has 
supposedly I not maybe not every night, but the majority of this show, uh, he's that's the thing is yes, he's, he's defending, defending his title against like everyone every night. It's what we're set. Unfortunately, we're that's not the whole video, which would probably be kind of fun. Exactly. So the video starts on a wide shot, which looks to be from the worst camera ever, like I just said. Oh, then in the ring, we get some styling and profiling. Hawk uses his power to knock down Flair. It's a very much a power versus Flair kind of match. Uh, Tony mentions this is actually the first stop on the Great American Bash Tour, so that would make this actually from Philadelphia. On July 1st. Oh. So it's the only match from, not from Charlotte or Greensboro that we see on this tape. We get a clothesline by Hawk, but then a missed leg drop. Flair with a vertical suplex and the two count. But Hawk powers out of the pin, and Flair does the heel beg off yeah. of the face. Uh, Hawk press slams Flair a couple times, and then he comes off the second rope with a clothesline. But Flair moves, and Road Warrior rolls all the way out to the floor. The outside, baby, we're outside. Once they're back in the ring, Flair hits the running knee, and then he locks on the figure four. And while the ref is paying attention to Hawk, Flair grabs the ropes. I like this spot. I mean, it's a, it's an old school. I mean, it's old school spot, but like spot. I don't know. The angle's nice, and like I don't know. Sometimes people will do stuff, and it's like, ah, oh, I don't get why that would make it hurt more. But in this one, it looks like it hurts more. So I appreciate it. That's all. The ref finally finally sees Flair grabbing the ropes and makes Flair break the hole. But then he gets the sleeper on. But Hawk escapes by backing Flair into the turnbuckle. We get a, a Flair climbing to the top rope where he woo. gives a woo. Do it again. Woo! I'm not, I don't know if that's good or not. Uh, but Hawk uh, grabs Flair and gives him a gorilla press slam. So that's what it's called when they're... Like they lift them off basically the, off the turnbuckle. Well, no, if they lift them completely above, above, their, above head, yeah. their head, if they just kind of hold them, yeah, it's yeah. a press slam. But so, what is it when they're on the top rope, but then they grab them and throw it, them? Off? It literally depends on how far they extend their arms. So it's a press slam, a press or, slam or, or a gorilla or, press slam. Okay. So then another press slam, and then like a drop down right hand from like a standing spot down to a flare. Yeah, which is like, that's basically all that happens in these older shows when they go off the top. It's either crossbody or like, basically they jump and land on their feet and punch. Axe, and lots, punch lots of axe handles. Axe handle or like an elbow. Yeah. Uh, we get but a not an elbow to drop. Hawkson <laughs> does a clothesline and tries for the pin, but only gets a two count. And then a scoop slam and a spit covered slap to the face. That Hawk gives to Flair, which is a gnarly spot. Yeah. Uh, Irish Whip gets reversed, and Hawk comes off the ropes with a shoulder block. But Flair moves, and Road Warrior hits the ref out of the ring. Ref bump. We get the Flair over the top spot, but he stays on the apron, runs to the top rope, and comes off with an axe handle, but is caught in a bear hug. Hawk then hits a Canadian backbreaker rack. And goes for the pin. It was a move that I had never seen before. He like, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember. It. He like lifted him up, almost like it's a on his shoulder. Oh, okay. Like a last ride, but instead of like over the back, it was it's just like on the shoulder. one shoulder. Yeah, yeah, I remember this. And uh, then he dropped him basically like shoulder first down on his knee. Yeah, and it looked cool as hell. Yeah, and it I've never super seen it cool. before. Yeah, never uh, but seen yeah, it uh, yeah, I actually no. had to go look up the name of the move. Cause yeah, I like, I'd like to. I need to. I'd like to watch that again because there's. Yeah, you know, a lot of times you see stuff and you're like. I've seen that before. That one looks better than this one or whatever, but that was one that like caught my attention and I was like, oh, okay. Exactly. I thought the ref was still out, but then all of a sudden it goes to the wide shot and the entire crowd starts going crazy. Paul Ellering jumps in the ring celebrating and then it finally cuts back into the ring and the ref is calling for the bell. So I'm like, did the ref just count to three? I like, literally have no clue what's going on. Hawk is celebrating with his arms raised, and the ref is walking towards him, has the belt in hand, grabs Hawk's hand. It's a huge pop. And throws it down, yanks it down. And everyone's like, what? Walks over to Flair, grabs his arm, raises it, and hands him the belt. Everyone starts going crazy. They called for the DQ on Hawk for hitting the ref out of the ring. Of course they did. Oh, What's funny is that like a lot of time when I'm taking notes for these matches, I'll have like 
I'll, in parentheses, I always put like my opinion mm-hmm. or something. So I have like, and it's always right before some bullshit finish. I put in parentheses <laughs> that like I like this match or something, and right before this bullshit happens, it's like in parentheses I like this match, and then like some, and then some dog shit goes down. It doesn't it doesn't mean that I don't still like it. It's just can't always get what you want can't always and get what uh you want. what you want is a clean finish and this is wrestling in the nwa <laughs> yeah with, most specifically with dusty Rhodes as the booker uh-huh. so then we get a intro package for we're, great american bash 86 so the video probably starts now it, this is where we uh, think i can't imagine starts. there being a cold open for, exactly. <laughs> for, for uh, a wrestling tape what do they think <laughs> they're they are a wrestling podcast <laughs> So the video package kind of lists off all the cities they went to, and then it goes into the studio with Tony Schiavone and David Crockett. Uh, they mentioned that the tour went 14 cities, 33 days. They That's t- the greatest wrestling video on the market today. Talk about some of the matches that happened during the tour. There's even some... Uh, uh, some fun montage. Montage. Yeah, there's, like, there's somebody with a really cool Dusty shirt. I, I just wanted that shirt. I'm sure it's like $900 on eBay. Probably. But, yo, but I want that shirt. We go to our second match. Yeah. You know what's crazy about these shows that are so, like, I don't know if it's if the crowd's as loud as they sound, but they're so loud that it just sounds like the best party ever. Like, literally like It's like, I want to go I mean, so bad. Because it's just like bananas. People were just so, like, into it At the time? Yeah. I don't know, man. I just want to go, like, everyone's losing their shit. Can't even see the crowd, and they're just going nuts. You can hear them the whole time. Yeah. And it sounds like a blast. So second match, Jimmy Valiant versus Shasko Watley with Paul Jones in his corner. We get some VHS warp <laughs> yeah. to start this match. In a hair versus hair match. And Tony actually, before the match started, he kind of told us a little bit of the story behind behind the match. Shaska had cut a portion of Valiant's hair. And Valiant wanted revenge, but not just against Watley, but against all of Paul Jones and his army. But the part Tony doesn't tell us is the reason Shaska came after Valiant. The Boogie Woogie Man had called Watley the best black athlete in professional wrestling. And Shaska took that as a racial comment. You should have. Why can't he just be the best athlete? Why can't he just be one of the best athletes? Because Steamboat's still... No, Steamboat's not around in NWA anymore. No. Well, maybe he was the best athlete. (laughs) But this match happened in Charlotte on July 5th. And uh, we see Valiant take a golf cart to the ring, and then he jumps in the ring and goes after Jones, but Shaska hits him to take control. Shaska's given some headbutts. By the way, Shaska looks like a uh, cheap version of JYD. Yeah, he is very, like, I know they're black guys that both do headbutts, uh, so it's like, ah, it feels lame to compare them, but they're also both kind of babies. Yeah. So it's like... Yeah, it is what it is. I like that uh, both these men are pretty animated. We're going to take that as a racial comment. Pretty animated. I mean, race is a thing. So Valiant goes after Shaska in the corner, but Watley with the double leg takedown gets his feet on the ropes for leverage, but the ref sees it. So we don't get the fast pin on this one. Valiant blocks the headbutt and begins to hulk up, for a better term. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Power up. And hits uh, Shaska, but Paul Jones hits him as he is coming off the ropes. So I got a question real fast. Is Paul Jones going for the dictator thing here? Because he literally had like the mustache and a riding crop. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Because like Jimmy Valiant isn't, I don't, I, yeah, who knows what Paul Jones is doing here. But Valiant gets busted, busted open. Uh, Jones hits Valiant again while he's on the ropes. Valiant gets put in the tree of woe at one point where Shaska is kicking him. And then the ref pulls him away. And then Paul Jones like grabs his neck and starts just cranking on it back. It was a cool looking spot. Watley wraps the apron around Valiant's head at one point. And then, because, I mean, I mean, the apron is still used today. So exactly. We, we can shake our heads, but it's still a thing. All of a sudden, the crowd started chanting "Weasel." Yeah. Which I had no clue what that was about. I'm trying. Uh, I'm trying to start a weasel chant. I mean, who? I, they were calling. Valiant Weasel or Paul Jones? I mean, Paul that's, Jones. That's the thing is I don't know who they were calling a weasel at I this point. I guess Paul Jones they were calling a weasel. Maybe. he's the manager. Uh, but all of Shaska's pin attempts, he keeps trying to pin. They're super lazy. And 
I love that the commentators just kept calling him out on it as yeah. well. Uh, Shaska starts dancing and then goes for a big elbow drop, but Valiant moves, and Valiant finally gets on offense when Jones jumps up on the apron, but Valiant turns and knocks him down. Valiant puts a sleeper on Shaska, but as he does it, Shaska grabs the ref and like kind of tosses him to the side, so we get the ref bump, which brings in Baron Von Rasky, who's a new guy for all of us. Yeah. Basically is a militant... German, basically, yeah. character. Runs in, hits Valiant. Uh, but Raging Bull Manny Fernandez jumps in the ring and comes and goes after Baron. And then Shaska's choking Bull. And then Valiant... Baron has this glove that he basically does... Your, the, your, uh, your loaded glove. Loaded glove, but he like does the claw with it. That was his finisher type yeah. thing. I guess he lost it in the scuffle. And Valiant picks it up. Puts the glove on and hits Shaska and gets the pin. So post-match... We gotta shave that head. We get Sam Houston. Oh yeah, no, I do have that. Sam Houston shows up. I wish that Sam Houston wrestled on this show. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Uh, But he shows up, starts hitting Baron. A few more wrestlers come in to hold Shaska and Valiant shaves his head. I was trying to figure out who all was there, but the only name they said was Houston and the quality on this video wasn't so hot. Pretty much. Uh, Valiant screams at Jones that he's next as he was as he was doing it. Shaska finally wakes up and he freaks out. He sells it pretty well. Yeah, he does do, do a good job of freaking out. And it sends back to Tony and David. Uh, Tony tells us that Paul Jones was so mad that he would put his hair on the line against Valiant later in the tour, and that it had been a year since Jones had been in the ring, fully transitioning to being a manager at this point. Which leads us right into our third match. Which oh, uh, there's there was a a comment about uh, about Shaska's hair where uh, somebody said grab another Brillo pad and I was like that's pretty fucking gnarly. <laughs> so that's that's all I got. But continue, sorry. Uh, so the third match, we get another Jimmy Valiant match. JVPJ. This one's against Paul Jones. Baron Von Ratsky's in his corner in another hair versus hair match. Oh yeah, so this was like the. Later on the So tour. this was... I wonder how they, like, like let people know that. Because obviously they're telling a story, but this isn't on television. So, like, how do people in the crowd know that, like, know that this has weight? Or do they just think that this is a dumber thing than the thing that just happened? I'm guessing it's just the second, because I have no oh, like, Or is it, like, or is this the match that, or is this match happened right after that match? Because that's silly, too. No, later it doesn't. Or later in the night. The first match happened July 5th. Mm-hmm. This match happened July 26th in Greensboro. And, okay. So it's like, but so yeah. So it's a completely so different like, city. Who are these, compl- who are these stories? Three this, weeks yeah, later? At this point, who's the storytelling for is my question. Because it's like, people talk about the storytelling and wrestling, but it doesn't matter uh, if it's long term if no one can see it. Exactly. So I'm just, I mean, I'm just curious. Maybe they did a highlight package on one of the TV shows or something. It's hard to tell because like these tapes that we were watching don't even have like highlight packages sometimes. It's true. Or like you know pay per views. So Who knows? Uh, but this match luckily starts mid match into it. Valiant's hitting Jones with a foreign object as we begin. Fo. Uh, we get the Was wobbly it? elbow drop. And Baron jumps on the apron. Uh, Baron throws Jones his black glove, and Paul puts it on. But Valiant pulls a glove as his own out of his trunks, puts it on, and hits Jones on top of the head. Valiant goes for the pin, but Baron runs into the ring, and then Raging Bull jumps in to stop him, which distracts the ref. So the pin's not being counted. Shaska then jumps in the ring with a chair and hits Valiant, and then rolls Jones on top of the boogie-woogie man. The ref turns around, sees the pin attempt, counts to three for the Paul Jones victory. It's uh, at least it's quick because you know the finish was fun. So post both guys getting their getting their gloves. Exactly. I mean, at least that, that was like at least some amount of tension. So post match, Fernandez is arguing with the ref. We we get Sam Houston, some other wrestlers pleading with the ref, being like, you know, that's not right. That's not right. Lots of posturing until Valiant finally takes a seat in the middle of the ring and takes the hair shaving like a man. Yeah, they both do. And then he and then Valiant gives crazy eyes. Yeah, his like Valiant uh his like 
crazy eyes while he's getting his head shaved are pretty good. Both these guys like are very entertaining, but they're not great wrestlers. wrestlers. Like uh, they're both very fun to watch. They're both very animated. They both have that like the it factor that some great amazing wrestlers don't have, which exactly. is that you want to see their face and they have a personality that's outside of their voice. It's it's a match. Exactly. <laughs> so we head back to David and Tony. The next match, two hard hitters. The next match, fourth match, Ron Garvin with Wahoo McDaniel in his corner versus Tully Blanchard with J.J. Dillon in his corner in a taped fist match. And kind of the story behind this match, which David and Tony let us know, is that Ron Garvin had a hurt right hand. And so he was taping it up, you know, because that's what you do when you have hurt appendages. Uh, but he continued to wrestle, and Tully Blanchard and J.J. Dillon called for him to have to remove the tape to wrestle. So instead of having to remove the tape, they just decided to make it a taped fist match. Which means... And they set it up like a boxing match with 10 three-minute rounds. So it's like a half-shoot fight? With a 30-second <laughs> rest period between. Yeah, it kind of... It's basically... It, it's set up like a boxing match, but it ends up almost being more like a last man standing match. Yeah, it's a it's definitely a timed brawl. Exactly. Uh, but this match is actually July 26th in Greensboro. Tully attacks before the bell, gets backdropped, and Tully is already out of it with just the backdrop. Which is kind of like... Kind of kind of He's Tully Blanchard. Kinda silly, he's Tully Blanchard. But it's Tully Blanchard. He shouldn't, yeah, that shouldn't... He should be able to go a lot further than that. I mean... It, what did it take? It took a microphone and a steel cage and a wooden spike to get him to quit against oh, yeah. Magnum TA. I'm uh, like, but a backdrop knocks him out, guys. Yeah. Did, uh, yeah, the, the parallels between this and that I quit match I'm drawing now. Yeah. So once he gets up, they wait for him to get up. And then the ref finally calls for the bell. So the first round, Garvin just throwing punches... Tully's continuously knocked down in the round. When Tully finally does get up, he's wildly swinging. Yeah, and he sells. Just, he he almost hits the ref. He sells himself being like completely out, out of it. it. Like, yeah, it's like he basically looks like a blackout guy trying, like somebody blackout drunk trying to fight in a room full of nobody. Like everyone's just kind of. But uh, he does a good job of it. As the bell rings, Tully is knocked down once again, but no ten count as we're in the rest period. I'm not going to score this one because it's not a boxing match. And, like, the rest period is just him on the ground most <laughs> Literally, it's a thing. It doesn't make a lick of sense. So, 30, you got 30 seconds, mm-hmm. and then the second round starts. Tully is still down on the mat, and that's when they start the 10 count. It, yeah, there's no, there's not really any rhyme or reason yeah, exactly. to this at all. They're like, oh, just go out there and, you know. Throw punches. Yeah, it's like they gave him the, the idea. It's like, you're going to be... Real hurt and not know where you are. Just to sell that. Garvin continues to just lay it on Tully. Uh, Tully swings at the ref again at one point. Uh, Tully, so much blood on his face at this point, just from all the Garvin punches to the head. Yeah. As the bell rings, Garvin actually low blow kicks Tully. And then in the rest period, Tully's back over in his corner, and he's getting his hand retaped. And I really felt like Dylan... Put like put you know, something put like weighted it. Put something in his tape. But it doesn't pay off. But it doesn't ever pay because off. Because I was like, okay, cool. I see what you're doing here. And then it it's kind of like the it's kind of like the plaid pants. In uh, yeah, exactly. In, I mean, it's less at WrestleMania too. But it's way yeah. less subtle than that because like you actually like they kind of like I mean zoom in as far as you can call this a zoom in. Yeah. So the third round starts. Tully finally gets on the offense as he pulls Garvin into the corner and begins to stomp on him. Tully comes off the second rope, but they catch each other with right hands for the double KO spot. Uh, Tully rolls out of the ring and grabs Garvin to pull him out. And this is where Wahoo McDaniel gets involved, giving an atomic drop to Tully right into a punch from Garvin, which was a really cool spot. Bell rings with Tully out on the floor. And once again, 10 count doesn't happen during the rest period. Yeah. So the fourth round starts. Tully is still struggling to get back in the ring. Garvin is back in control of this match. Tully's about to fall down a couple times, but like Garvin just keeps holding him and then pushing him off the ropes. Oh, to, like, that was great. That was so good. Him. He does it a couple of times, but like he's just like 
He's yeah. like leaning into him and holding him up, and then decks him and does it again. And it's, there's some there's some true moments in this quote unquote match. Tully's out at this point, and it looks like he's going to have the ten count. But all of a sudden, Dylan crawls under the ropes, causing the ref to stop the count so he can get Dylan out of the ring. Wahoo comes over, and Dylan throws water in his face, and as everyone's distracted, throws something in to Tully. It's the FO. Garvin goes to the outside to chase Dylan, but Dylan ends up running back into Wahoo, who puts him into the ring post. Garvin back in the ring, and Tully hits him with the object, knocking him down for the first time. First time. I mean, he sells it pretty well. Yeah. Because he does, like, it's kind of like a top of the head job, right? Yeah. The ref makes it to the 10 count, and Tully is the winner. I didn't mention this a while ago, but we've seen Ron Garvin before. Do you remember where we saw Ron Garvin before? Ron Garvin, this is your life. No, uh, who, who was Ron Garvin before? Miss Alana Lively. Oh, okay. Well, this is a better showing. Definitely. I'm glad that... I'm glad that uh... I think the next time we see Ron Garvin, he's challenging for the world title. So after this, we go back to David and Tony. They preview the next match. Basically, this match is the Road Warriors don't like Russians. They're called the Road Warriors, but why are they also called Legion of Doom? Is Legion I of Doom was, like a greater? I mean, I think like, Legion of Doom was actually their their tag titles, and they were actually called Road Warrior Hawk and Road Warrior Animal. Animal. But like the Road Warriors sounds so much better than Legion of Doom, and like yeah. it's just it's, it gets it's very convoluted. And like Legion of Doom later is more people, right? Yeah, they, they, I mean, they, they, use the name later. they use the name later because there's Legion of Doom 2.0 or something like that. Yeah. It wasn't LOD, like LOD 2000. Isn't there like a point where like isn't like Shark or whatever part of the LOD? I we'll find out. Yeah, we'll get there. Uh, so this match happened on July 5th. The Road Warriors Hawk and Animal with Paul Ellering versus the Russians, Nikita and Ivan Kulov in a Russian chain match, which basically means that Hawk and Nikita are chained together. And Animal and Ivan are chained together. Would it be more interesting if the two tag team guys were, if each, if you were tagged, if you were chained to your partner? Like, you're obviously not fighting him, but like, well, you like, can only go as far, so you guys have to like work together. I thought it'd be interesting. Which would be really to, hard to do. It'd be interesting to have all four of them ta- uh, chained all together. So it's a big circle. Uh, I don't, yeah, I'm not sure. then you couldn't use your right or left hand. <laughs> There's, uh, yeah, probably a way to make any of this uh, good. <laughs> I don't think either one of our ideas <laughs> are better. That. I don't think any of our ideas are better, but I'm just saying, like, you know. It's no body, the bat, and the debutante. No, that's the best idea we've had so far. I don't know. Keith Larson fan club is pretty good, too. <laughs> as, as Michael texted me earlier, how do you write notes for a chain match? <laughs> for the, real. This is how. Especially, like, on a grainy VHS tape. <laughs> it, like, it looks like butt. It's hard to look at. There's lots of hitting back and forth. Yeah. Choking Choke, yeah. the chain. I mean... Ivan gets press slammed by Animal for a two count. Nikita and Hawk on the outside while Ivan low blows Animal for a two count. Uh, the Russians start double teaming each member of the Road Warriors. We see Hawk come off the second rope with the chain to the top of Nikita's head, then goes and hits Ivan to pull him off of Animal. Animal gives a drop kick on Ivan. But then Nikita pushes Hawk into the ref, sending him out to the floor. Nikita then comes from behind to hit Hawk out onto the floor as well. Hawk's out on the floor, the ref's out on the floor, Nikita's still up in the ring, and he unhooks himself from the chain, and then runs over and gives Animal, who's fighting with Ivan in the opposite corner, a Russian sickle. Ivan goes for the pin, but realizes that the ref is not there. And good storytelling here, while Ivan goes to the pin, Nikita actually rushes back over to hook himself back, back yeah. in. I, so did, the, I noticed that. And so the ref is actually having to like crawl over Nikita, and that's why he's not getting to the, the pin in time. So Ivan gets up and goes to the top rope. And while he's on the top rope, Paul Ellering jumps up on the apron, pushes him off the top rope, makes him crotch himself, on the top rope and falls right in front of Animal, covers who him. covers him for the pin. And post-match, Nikita ends up giving Russian sickles to Animal and Paul Ellering. They give a clothesline with the chain to Hawk, but then Animal finally gets up and helps clear the ring as the Russians just kind of run off. That's how you take notes on a chain match. And that's how you do that. On a Russian chain match. 
That's just a regular chain match. It's a Russian chain Russian match. Chain I like how it's a Russian chain match because they're the bad guys. Why, why can it be a tag chain match? Or why can't a... it just be a Road Warrior chain match? Yeah. Probably have more spikes. Yeah. What uh, would have been really nice if in... Why can't I think of in If in uh, Fury Road, we got a Road Warrior uh, Hawk and Animal spot. Why not? Why not throw? Why not throw them in, like in the back? Like at least a an homage to them in a, a Mad Max movie. So we're gonna head back to David and Tony, and they start talking about the Rock and Roll Express. They have a charisma, not just in the ring, but on stage as well. Oh yeesh! And we it. go to clips of Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson singing with a band. They're like in a cowboy bar. I assume it's like a cowboy bar where there's like a cover, and they're. Just I don't like, know. It may just be like a stage that was set up at the rink. Yeah, I guess because you can't see them. And, you can't see. The, and they're having a concert like after the show. But or they're like obviously kind of like the glorified background singers. Like they're up front, but they're just like singing the chorus. Yeah. But I, I was really surprised that not only is like there's more than one camera shot for it. So I'm like, what is this? Because like, there's even a camera shot from behind the drum kit at yeah. some point, like up in the angle, and I'm like, what the hell is this? They're also singing country music, and they're called the Rock and Roll Rock Express. And Roll. It's like, it's like, I but mean, they're from Tennessee, so yeah, I know. I just thought it was it was funny. But the Rock and Roll Express are uh, the hottest tag team uh, at this time on their way. I mean, there's quite a few good tag teams at this. But time. I mean, like hottest is in popularity, not like the yes, best. they, they about are. Popularity. They are very popular yeah. at this. We time. all know that just because it's hot doesn't mean it's good. So David and Tony start previewing the next match. Once we're back to them, uh, who's the best tag team? Say Rock and Roll Express are two-time champions, but the Andersons have held the titles more times and longer than anyone. The Minnesota Wrecking Crew. So we got our sixth match: the Minnesota Wrecking Crew which is Ole and Arn Anderson, versus the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton, Robert Gibson, for the number one contendership for the NWA World Tag Team Championships. It's not for the belts. It's to be the number one contender. And this is from July 26th. And we see uh, a drop kick by Gibson on Arn, and then one to Ole, which leads to all four men in the ring before the Andersons go to the outside to take a breather. Arn going after Morton's nose as the Anderson had broken it at one point, so it was good storytelling there. Morton with the flapjack and a DDT on Arn. Hey, yeah, the DDT. I know. I was, like, oh. I was like, oh. I was like, I was curious that how long the DDT had been around because we all know it's synonymous with Jake. Jake the Snake. Yeah. yeah, and he's kind of on his come up as far as like national stage goes. We get our first mention of the Four Horsemen in this match. Which had kind of started after Starcade the previous year, so a couple episodes ago. Kind of started after that. Ole pushes Morton into the corner and tags in Arn, but Morton escapes to the outside. And I believe this is where the edit comes. Yeah. Uh, because it, like. Is that where it warped real hard? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, this is a VHS tape rip. So. And then Gibson runs in, hits Ole, while Morton kicks and body slams him. Body slam on Arn as well before Ole gets up to drive Morton back into the corner. And Ole starts distracting the ref, so Arn pulls Morton out to the floor and hits him in the nose. Yeah, so I like that. Just continue to work on that nose. I really enjoy um, it's it's wrestling. You gotta you gotta attack a part of their body and they're gonna have to sell it. But the fact that it's the nose was kind of like when was the last time you saw somebody sell a nose? Exactly. Like that's his, it's like, yeah, him protecting his face, but he still needs to fight. So I thought that was kind of fun. And so uh, you, you can hear Tony commentating, and you can, his, but his fellow commentator is like barely audible. Like you can tell he's talking, but it, you can't yeah. understand a word he's saying. Uh, we get some double team moves by the Anderson, which brings Gibson in, and the ref is distracted, so Arn sends Morton over the top. Which, back in the NWA, would be a DQ. Oh, if they go over the top rope? If they go over the top rope. So Arn goes out to what the floor. What is with the NWA and, all, and their... All the, the Traditional the, rules, the gim- the gim- But with, with that many gimmicks? And, uh... I don't. But this is a real match. There's no gimmick to this one. First time for everything. Uh, so Arn goes to the floor, grabs a camera, and starts wrapping uh, it around yeah. Morton's nose. And, like, it looks... I mean, it's... Like a strap from like an old like it's not a digital camera. No. It's nineteen eighty six, but it like it looks like the camera that the uh, like thirty five millimeter that my mom had when I was a exactly. kid. And the strap is so thin. It was a fun spot. 
They're back in the ring, and as Morton is about to make the tag, Arn does the heel thing, rushes over, hits Gibson to keep the tag from not happening. We need that hot tag. Uh, Gibson wants to get in to retaliate, but the ref stops him, which allows the Andersons to do some double-team moves in the opposite corner. Arn tags in Ole, who goes to the top rope, while Arn holds Morton's arm out. Ole comes off with a knee to the shoulder. So they start working over the shoulder. Arn tries to ram Morton's head into the turnbuckle, but Morton reverses it, sending Arn to the ground. Morton gets the flying crossbody for the two count, and Arn Irish whips Morton into the corner, rushes in to attempt a Bronco Buster, but Morton moves. Arn tags Ole, and as Ole reaches Morton, Ricky leaps to get the hot tag. And now during this entire time, you can hear the announcer in the background counting down like four minutes left, three minutes left. Oh, really? I couldn't, I didn't catch it. Because there was a time limit to this match. They didn't tell us what it was at the beginning because obviously it's edited, plus then it's also edited, so we didn't get a real feel for how long the match really was. Literally as... I hope it wasn't 60 minutes. (laughs) As Gibson gets in... I think there was like a minute and a half left. Okay. So Gibson hits the double knob and knocker, and then he slaps on the sleeper on Arn as Morton and Ole are brawling. And then all of a sudden, the bell rings. What was this, an NWA match? Yes, it was. (laughs) Post-match, Gibson grabs a chair, clears the ring, and then the official announcement comes over and says the match was declared a draw. So we still don't have a number one contender for the tag team championships. We head back to David and Tony, and they start talking about Magnum TA and Nikita Koloff's seven-match series that's been set up over this tour. And it's for the vacated U.S. United States Championship. So it's a best of seven throughout this tour. tour. Yeah. Basically, I think they fought one night, and then then they would have like a tag match or another opponent. Why was it vacated? Because bring it on, bud. I know you have the answer. Magnum TA had been stripped of the championship due to his actions during a press conference. He basically gotten all riled up and done some stuff. And Bob Geigel, who was the president of the NWA at the time, said those were actions detrimental to the NWA. Stripped him of the title. I wonder what really happened though. Um, it's called wrestling. <laughs> Kayfabe, baby. Yeah, I just want to know what really happened. Did he like show up late to a bunch of shows? Show up loaded? Did he act? Did he actually deck the boss? I don't remember. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe nobody knows. That's kind of what's amazing about wrestling sometimes. So, therefore, we get this seventh match. Not the seventh match it's of the, the series. F- our seventh match of the show that we're It's the fourth match about. of the seventh match But this series. is the fourth of the seven matches between Magnum TA and Nikita Koloff. In this best of seven series, Nikita leads three to nothing at this point. So TA has his back against the wall. And it's a very back and forth match with neither man really having a power advantage. Magnum's being very cautious and trying not to make a mistake. We see Nikita scoop slam TA into the ropes, and then Nikita continuously throwing Magnum out of the ring onto the floor. We see Ivan get involved at one point by kicking him. Another time he rolls out and he lands real close to the ring steps. Yeah. And almost looks it like looks he hits good. his head. It looks good. Also, uh, I like that you know when, they, when they're talking shit before the match starts, uh, Nikita just holds up the four fingers. And that was a nice touch. Yeah. He was like, one, two, two. three, four. It looks good. Nikita's trying to get Magnum back into the ring. Magnum does a sunset flip over the ropes, but Nikita is holding on to the ropes to try not to be flipped over. Uh-huh. And the ref kicks his arms, and T.A. completes the pin for the win. And so it's now 3-1. to one. I know. There's a lot of good, like, catch wrestling, like, stuff in this match. And I know that we talked about this match really quickly, but I liked, I liked this a lot for a oh, WWE yeah. match. I really liked it a lot. And it's not a lot to say because it's a lot of catch stuff. And it's not, it's more exciting to watch than it is to talk about, which is yeah. kind of rare. I know. I, I like wrote my notes and then I was, I was like, like, there's more. Have, yeah. And as I was looking I at mine too. And I was like, notes. I'm like, like, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in here. But I mean, it's just like, it was good technical wrestling uh-huh. by TA, 
I mean, Nikita was still like Nikita wasn't the greatest technical no, wrestler. No, but he, like he he he, he showed up. His own. Yeah, he showed up. He didn't he didn't drag it down. I mean, so like the notes seemed like it wasn't much of a match, but it was a really good match actually. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So back to David and Tony in the studio. They preview the next match, which is the America's Team and Baby Doll versus the Midnight Express and Jim Cornette. And the reason for this match, Jim Cornette had hurt Baby Doll a few months prior, and she wanted revenge. How did he hurt her? I don't know. But somehow he hurt her, and she wanted revenge. So, America's Team, I didn't mention this, this is the eighth match of, the, of our show. America's Team's Dusty Rhodes and Magnum T.A. So, like I was saying... And Baby Doll. And Baby Doll. She's in the ring. But like I was saying in the last match, Magnum T.A. and Nikita they had seven matches, but on the other nights... They would have yeah, yeah, it's like a thirteen-night thing. Yeah, versus the Midnight Express, which is Bobby Eaton and Dennis Condry at this point, and Big Bubba Rogers is in their corner. I don't know anything about Big Bubba Rogers, but you don't know who Big Bubba Rogers is. Uh, I don't. But give me one second, and then drop it on me, and I'm going to feel dumb, and it's fine. But the we always have the the graphics in between yeah. on this tape, but uh, they show Big Bubba Rogers outside of. The ring, and they actually like take the image and put it over the live image, and it says Big Bubba Rogers and like clip art like letters on top <laughs> of him. And I thought that was really funny that they took the time to to do that. But who's Big Bubba Rogers? Big Boss. He's Big Boss Man. He's big Boss Man. Oh, he looks bigger here, but I guess it's a shitty tape, and it's come kind of from far away. He had loose clothing on too. Yeah, yeah. He like his big boss man is always a big guy, but he just kind of looks like a cop. But he doesn't look like a very big. He just kind of looks like a. He doesn't. He's never as big as you. I don't know. For a name, big boss man. Yeah. He's not all that. Big. He doesn't look that big. Like he might be that big because some guys are bigger than you think they are. It's very true. Yeah, it's like when Randy Orton stands in front of AJ Styles. He looks like he's nine feet tall, and it's crazy. But I stood next to Razor Ramon one time, and it was like, "Oh my god, this dude is huge!" <laughs> yeah. And Razor Ramon is small compared to some people. Yeah, I mean, well, Razor Ramon looks small because uh, he's standing next to Kevin Nash. Yeah. He's like legit seven foot. Exactly. So, but yeah. But this match is in a steel cage. We love these tag team matches in steel cages. Oh, yeah, don't because we? they think they're so easy to follow. <laughs> so this match was in on July fifth, as one of the commentators pointed out. Because he was all for women's rights. It's not a six-man tag. It's a six-person tag. I, that, I, I have a note about that. That's the most woke shit. I know, right? I was like, we're in 1986 and the commentator just... I know. I'm not even born yet. And uh, they didn't... Yeah. And they didn't they didn't even call Baby Doll a whore. <laughs> like, a six-person match. So Cornette wants to start it off with Baby Doll. But then Eaton rushes Baby Doll, and she gives a arm drag to him, looks, which looked really good. It looked pretty good. Uh, also, Cornette looks like Pear in a like NWA Wolfpack T-shirt. <laughs> he's like, he's. I thought I was like, did Andy Kaufman ship? Yeah, his, yeah, exactly. Shipping yeah. his tights. He's a he's a he's a very pear shaped man. He's like skinny fat. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty great. We see Rhodes send Eaton into the cage at one point. Cornette climbs to the top rope to try and hide, which I was like, "What? What is? What are you hiding from there? Because we can all see you standing yeah. up above everybody." Uh, we get some weird editing, and then all of a sudden, Magnum TA's down, and Cornette goes to give him a big elbow drop, but misses. Or was he anywhere close to Magnum TA <laughs> he, when he came he, down? He he took the bump exactly. Uh, Magnum tags in Baby Doll, and Cornette runs away to tag in Eaton. But then both members of the Express get pounded on by America's team. Eaton rakes T.A.'s eyes, Cornette gets a shot in, and then Eaton sends Magnum into the cage. Eaton goes to the top of the cage, not just the top of the ropes, but the top, top of, of the, the cage, cage, and comes down with a single sledgehammer to the top of the head. It wasn't an axe handle, it was a sledgehammer. It's a sledgehammer with one hand. Yeah, exactly. An axe handle with two hands. So Condry then sends T.A. into the cage again, and he's busted open. Oh, wait. Is this the eighth match, and this is the first blood on NWA show? No, I think there's more color in here. I think but is it the to. first blood that we've had? I, on this show? On I this don't, show? Is it? I don't know. I think it might be. 
We'll talk. We'll we'll do our research before exactly. we finish the show. Eaton goes to the top of the cage again. As he comes down, we get some VCR. Uh, <laughs> the video pretty much goes weird, so we don't yeah. see exactly what happens. Not too hot. Uh, but Eaton is stunned, and then we get a sunset flip by T.A., but the pin attempt is broken up by Condry. Dusty comes in to brawl with Condry, and then Baby Doll starts beating on Cornette. Cornette gets stuck between all three members, Dusty, Magnum, and Baby Doll, and Baby Doll gives him a right hand and pins Cornette for the win. This is my hot take. I should probably save it for the end of the show, but... Why couldn't this just been uh, Cornette versus Baby Doll? Because I'd rather watch Valiant and Paul Jones. Yeah, but like Dusty only entered the ring <laughs> for like ten seconds. It was just no. I feel like that the Cornette Paul Jones match uh, could have been a fun like a fun thing, and it would have been your you know him getting his or doing something shitty to the girl, and it would have been uh, fun. But this just seemed like a bit of a cluster it's like well we have this cage on tour we should probably use it yeah pretty much so i like and i'm sure that there was like i'm i know that this is just uh matches from this tour but i feel like that maybe this one could have been cut. well they technically did the same exact match on a different stop but it was the road warriors and baby doll Uh, versus midnight express and they yeah no one was gonna tweet him about it exactly (laughs) So, post-match, Rhodes and Baby Doll are hugging, but as they are, the Midnight Express knock T.A. out, and then Dusty and Big Bubba start yelling at each other. Dusty comes out of the ring, and as they're about to confront each other, the Express hits him from behind, and Bubba's just laying it on Dusty until Magnum finally escapes the ring to come to his aid. We head back to David and Tony, and everything we have seen so far has led up to one thing. Ric Flair. They let us know that Flair has fought Road Warrior Hawk, Road Warrior Animal, Morton, Gibson, Nikita, Ron Garvin, Magnum TA, Wahoo, and one last man he has to face. Dusty Dusty Rhodes. So the ninth match of the night... Dusty Rhodes versus Ric Flair. They've both been... Are they both two... No, uh, Ric is in his third reign. Yes. And Dusty's had two. Two. Correct. So that's basically the story. (laughs) Dusty Rhodes versus Ric Flair. Steel cage match for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. We get a promo from Mm -hmm. Dusty. What I do, Beth. This match was from the July 26th. So it's be- it's early in this show? In Greensboro. No, it's the second to last stop. Oh, okay. I thought it was July through August. It was. So it's like it only did like one week in August? Yeah, August 2nd was the only date that they uh, okay. did in August. Okay. That's a lot of shows. Uh, I just assumed that uh, that it was more spread out. But you, I mean, you got 14, 14 cities in a month and a day. I know, no, no. I, I just thought it was going to be over 14 cities across two months. So no. Flair gives the crowd a woo to start. And then both guys do some styling and profiling, you know, getting it on right there in the middle of the ring. Some right hands, bionic elbow from Rhodes. Sends Flair looking to escape from the ring, but he can't because he's in a steel cage. It's a steel cage, baby. We get a scoop slam by Dusty, which leads the punches in the corner. But the ref stops Dusty to warn him about closed fists, which allows Flair to hit a low blow with his knee. Dusty ends up slapping on a sleeper, but Flair escapes by reaching the ropes. Rhodes is running the ropes, but Flair catches him with a punch right to the midsection, which leads to a woo as Dusty is sent into the cage to bust him open. Oh, yeah. We get a running knee drop for a two count, and then Flair rubs Dusty's face into the cage using Uh, his cheese grater. The cheese grater is great, but when he rubs his forehead across across the rope... Oh, yeah. Uh, That happens a few times in this match, but I, for some reason, I really enjoy it. Flair gives another running knee drop as he begins to work on Rhodes' leg, and he walks on the figure four, but Dusty is able to roll it over. Yeah, but it it takes some time. It does. So Flair with another running knee drop, but to the head of Rhodes this time, and Dusty Dusty is kind of like leaning on the ropes. He looks out of it, Mm -hmm. and... Flair is measuring him up, like, gonna go for something. And then all of a sudden, 
Dusty like leaps off of the ropes with the lariat and goes for the pin. And they call it a lariat. Yes. I liked. But Flair gets his leg on the ropes. Mm-hmm. Flair starts climbing to the top of the cage to escape, which in the NWA, which we discussed this last week, you can't do to win a match in the NWA. You have to get the pin in the ring. Which I kind, of, I kind of like that. It's like, this is the cage. You can't go anywhere. No one can help you. You're in there by your own, on your own. Let's do this. It's true. I feel like that, that's a, a really good but reason. But sometimes the, the escaping from the ring is kind of fun. Yeah. No, you know, it can be fun. But I feel like that considering it's all gimmicks a lot of the time in the NWA, sure. uh, I feel like that they kind of get this one right from a psychology standpoint. I agree. Conceptually. Uh, Dusty catches up with Flair, rams his head into the top of the cage, and then Dusty busts open Flair by throwing him into the cage, rubbing his face in the cage. Once again, Flair tries to climb up and over. Dusty rams his head back into the cage again. Come out the corner? Yeah, the corner. Yeah, yeah, because Ric Flair gets his big yell. He yells no a lot, and it's it's fun. And then we get a headbutt off the top rope. Mm Mm-hmm. Which sends Flair off, and he crotches himself on the ropes as he comes down. Flair is on the ropes. Dusty goes to punch him, but Flair moves, and he ends up punching the cage itself. They don't really ever use that as a... Like, they never sell that at no, all no, the rest of the match. Which was like, it's kind of weird because, like, it's a cage. It's like a chain-link fence. Yeah. It's not, a, it's not a piece of steel. So, like, if I punch a chain-link fence, no matter how hard mm. I punched it... Like, maybe it'll scrape my hand up, but it's not going to hurt my hand. Exactly. Uh, like, I don't know how to throw a punch correctly, but even if I put my weight into it, it's not going to... Flair goes to the top rope, but Dusty recovers to be able to press slam him, and then Dusty locks on the figure four himself. Yeah, and they do the... I love the spot whenever somebody's in figure four, and they're, like, resting for a second, so their shoulders land, but they're not, like, technically pinned, and then the ref starts counting. I'm a sucker for it. It's fun, and it adds tension to it. It's like, ah, you can eye-roll it, but for some reason it always adds to the drama, and uh, I enjoy that. He escapes finally by reaching the ropes, and then we get a flare flop after some dusty chops. Flare goes for a backbreaker, but Dusty reverses it into a backslide for two. The backslide. Where's the more backslides, less, less small packages? We'll see. <laughs> that's just that's just me in general. I'm not talking about just this know, match, this match, or like anything at all. I'm just saying I wouldn't mind seeing more backslides. We then get an Irish whip, which turns into a dusty lariat and a big elbow drop for another two count. Flair again to the top rope, hits yeah. the crossbody uh, again, two count. two count. Flair's thrown into the cage, and Dusty kind of bounces off the cage. Yeah, with, for another two count, and another two count. And then Dusty misses an elbow drop, and as Flair is picking Rhodes up, we get the infamous small package. I know. The irony if it's a small package from Dusty Rhodes? I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> Sorry. With the small package, we get... And new! Post-match. It's good. It was, oh, what's the post-match? Magnum, Baby Doll, and a bunch of others rush the ring to celebrate... And the video starts to go slow mo <laughs> with music, and we get we get like insert shots of like uh, what yeah. happened during the match. And it, like some of it's from like matches that we didn't actually watch. Well, no, and then it all of a sudden then it switches to a video package of the uh, entire. Okay, okay, yeah. It was like these like get, it's like the it's like the finish. Of... It was like Memento all of us or like the <laughs> like the one like a film reel with the, like the yeah, one thing uh-huh. clipped in, so it's showing the same thing. But yeah, it's, like there was one. It's like, yeah. One thing of flair is <laughs> like blink and you miss it, but you get subconsciously you got it and that kind of yeah. thing. But then we get a video package at the entire tour as the credits roll, and it's the the cut is awesome, and it, the the music is like it sounds like the pause music from an old video game. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of yeah. it's 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 nice. It's kind of grating, but in a like familiar way. Well, I guess we're gonna go through the show. So I'll hold my thoughts so on this match. Well, let's go straight to it. Let's overall thoughts of this show. Better than I expected. I really enjoyed this show. Yeah, like I said, it's better than I expected. It was, it was better than I expected. Yeah. For like some, we've had some NWA shows where I'm like, ugh, quit bleeding. 
<laughs> like, which is crazy because, yeah. you know, I mean, I watched wrestling. I fell in love with wrestling in the Attitude Era where I was just like, all I wanted was blood and I didn't care about technical ability. All I wanted was soap opera. You know, the craziest, yeah. silliest thing in blood. And nowadays I'm just like, where's the, where's, yeah, where's a wrestling move? But I can, I can appreciate the other stuff. We get two Flair, we get two Dusty matches, Honestly, we get that two first... Magnum TA matches. I mean, we do get two Jimmy Valiant matches, but you know, okay, so we get yeah, the good, I mean, we get I'm... the good with the bad. But Jimmy Valiant is still a, sh- a showman. He's not a great wrestler, but he's uh, he's I mean, fun, and I understand why people like him. He's kind of like the wacky neighbor from a sitcom, which we could add him to. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he, he everything our, uh... everything on this show is is pretty much a gimmick fest. You know, you have hair versus hair matches. You have Russian chain matches. You have steel oh. cage matches. Yeah, you know, a steel I mean, cage match that doesn't need to be a steel cage. Exactly. Match. I mean, yeah. everything everything had a little bit of a gimmick. Are we missing? Oh, we had the we had the like the the, the weird like shoot box. Oh yeah, match. the tape fist match. Yeah, but it was all it was all well done actually, and I didn't feel like yeah. The, do you there, think there was that, actually finishes? Yeah, I mean, sir. Do you sure, think we that it's a, well done because uh, they're cherry picking? Do you think they shot all these shows, or do you think they shot two of them or four? Of them? I think they only shot two of them because all these all matches these basically two. just came from the two, yeah, the two shows. Obviously, I would have loved to have seen the entire Minnesota Wrecking Crew show or match yeah. because that match looked really good in just what we saw. But I mean. I'm not going mean, to complain. I'm not going. I'm not going to complain to get to see 13 minutes of a 20 minute match. That seven minutes was probably a bunch of rest holds or more arm working the shoulder yeah, it's of like, you know, or nose of. Yeah. yeah. That's them. That's them. Uh, calling calling it in the ring after you know 13 nights. Like they have it have it mapped out, but exactly. they're still they're still you know they're like ow oh, yeah. We'll finish in there. I mean, it made sense for that that match to go to a draw as it was the number one contender match because they didn't want to push either team yet up to facing the Midnight Express. Yeah. So I mean, it made it made total sense. I mean, I didn't have any issue with the finish. The crowd in the first match, even with the the fake finish, was completely awesome. Like the ref walking towards. Uh, Road Warrior with the belt oh, and yeah. looking like he's going to grab his hand, and be like, "Yes, you're the winner," and then just yanking his arm. No, down. like uh, I think that the I don't know if I don't think it was on the official video, but the way that this uh, like started with it being just like into that, I didn't expect to get a match that good. Exactly, and the like Hawk Flair match was good, and it did play with like I'm not super emotionally invested in any of this. Because it's not happening now. It's all in the past. And it hasn't been, like, sold to me. I wasn't reading a magazine to hear about this or anything. So just watching it cold, I still cared about that match, which is pretty impressive. Exactly. So, like, anytime, like, whether whether the wrestling, whether it's a wrestling match or not, whether the wrestling ma- the wrestling is good or bad, as soon as I start to care is when it's good for for me, I think that's why I like the WrestleMania 2 Animal Macho Man is because it was not a wrestling match, but it told a story. But it told a story that I enjoyed and I cared about, and I wasn't like, oh, you know, that I didn't I didn't check out, I didn't like pull out my phone. I was I was watching it. Mm-hmm. So you know, sometimes you watch a technical match and it and it doesn't matter because you don't care about either of the people. It's true. So it's true, and I think that's what's great about wrestling is that it it's not always about skill, and for the most part, that's what I'm most interested in. But it doesn't always have to be that. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. Well, I think it's time to smart it up. So, what do you think? Some of the best moments of this pay per view were? Oh, man, honestly, I'm trying to think. Like, what's my least? I'm trying to go backwards. What's my least favorite? My least favorite might be... Okay, so we're going to do most disappointed first. Uh, well, I'm just thinking. I'm, I'm just working backwards. I wish they would have, for an edited video, I wish they would have shown a little bit less of the Shaska and Jimmy Valiant match. Because there was a lot of times I felt like Jimmy was hulking up. 
Yeah. And then he would just get hit, and it was like, okay, well. Oh, yeah. It's no. like, well, there's no tension there. And then all of a sudden, it was like one move at the very end. He gets the glove, hits Shaska, and the match is over. Yeah. I really liked the the Flair, uh, it's, it's, it's Hawk, right? Yeah, yeah Road Flair, Warrior Hawk. I, I liked Flair Hawk. I don't, the hair matches I could do without. Honestly, the even the taped fist match was fun. I mean, literally, I think my least favorite match was that Shaska... Yeah, match. no, I, I would put I would put that. I think that I may have liked that more than the first steel cage match, which was I just like yeah, it had TA in it, but why wasn't it just? It, it seemed it was a lot of people in the ring to do really nothing. I can see that, and uh, I could have. That was the one where I was like, ugh, okay. But the Midnight Express and Magnum TA and Dusty Rhodes are great. I mean, I know, yeah. Dusty, I know Dusty doesn't do a whole lot in the match, but, he's but Magnum, TA, yeah. Magnum TA is selling like a madman yeah. in that match. No, he's great. I like the match. I mean, that's probably on the lower yeah. half of these matches as the well. The best of seven was up there? Best of seven. Like we said. Is this, is this the best NWA show we've watched so far? I think it's probably Which my favorite kinda, NWA show. We've, we've watched, watched so far. So that's kind of crazy. The Dusty Flair. I would I mean, think it might be my second favorite show that we've watched so far. Oh, altogether. really? Together. So, is, what is the first one? Wrestling Classic. Uh, at least we can agree on that. Thank God. I love the Wrestling Classic. How about Best Performer? I'm gonna go Flair. Are you gonna wait? It's, it's Ric Flair. So I mean, I, I mean, yeah. That, yeah, I'm not going to argue I with mean, that. I mean, T.A. would be up there as well because T.A. sold for Dakita, like, awesome in that best of seven match. He sold for the Midnight Express in that tag match that we saw. T.A.'s great. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think this might be one of the last times but that we what, I, what about uh, Tully Blanchard? I know Tull, that no, his performance no, was good. Tully was great. Yes, yeah. I agree. I don't. I, think that, I do not hate that taped fist match as much as you probably think I do. I, yeah, I. I don't. I should hate it, but I don't. Exactly the idea of it and what actually came. I was like at first, yeah. I was like, "What is this?" And then like the more I like got into it, I was like, uh, "Yeah, okay." It's like I, I see what you're I like doing. this. Yeah. Like because Darwin was just throwing punches like a madman. And Tully was selling the crap out of yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, he just sold, 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 sold. I'd like to, like, I don't have, I cannot allow the time for this in my life. But Piper, Mr. T, and the Tully Garvin, like, watching back to back, like, which one's better? I'd prefer to watch the Garvin Tully match yeah. over again. I think that's how I feel, but I enjoyed both of them, considering that I enjoyed them. They sucked, but I liked them. You know what I mean? It's kind I mean, of. I think the thing, Piper is definitely the best out of all those guys, in selling stuff yeah. and like in like getting over something. But Mr. T drags that match so far down, and the he does, and the lack of keep keeping it kayfabe basically in that fourth round of the of that match where they're just throwing haymakers, and it, it's obvious that they're not hitting each other. Yeah, well, I mean the tape, the also the taped hand match or whatever the fuck you want to call it isn't sold as a boxing match so it's kind of like nobody knows what the hell is going on so you can kind of get away with more exactly. they gave themselves some leeway but I think that uh, the Tully Blanchard performance uh, deserves a nod I would definitely say that match is probably my most surprising that I liked it yeah I, I mean uh, if I if I don't want to go with it that I liked a Jimmy Valiant match because I liked the him versus Paul. I mean, sure, it was like four minutes long because of the editing and everything. Yeah. But I thought it was great with all the run-ins. It was telling that story and uh-huh. it made yeah. complete sense. Oh my! There wasn't any performances here that I think that I flat out hated. No, definitely not. It was all fine, and like I think that it was. I mean, obviously, it's not one show, but. Maybe the it's most... one videotape that we watched. Yeah, it's one of the more. I think that it's uh, one of the more enjoyable NWA shows we watched. What did, what did what did David Crockett call it at the very beginning? The greatest wrestling video on the market today. <laughs> I would love the shit out of that video back in 1986 because yeah. guess what? It's 2019, and no, I, well, still yeah, I still really like it. this yeah. video. Yeah, it was good. Uh, I yeah, I'm I'm behind this show. I don't have anything. I don't have anything terrible to say P. about one hundred p. And now a look back even farther into the history of wrestling. 
the dusty finish. Even by the time that Frank Gotch and George Hackenschmidt had their second match, there were already rumors about the legitimacy of professional wrestling. But the appearance of legitimacy was a huge part of that appeal. The matches themselves, even if they weren't legit, were wrestled as if they were. It was caused a slow, methodical pace, which in turn meant matches could last for hours with sudden anticlimactic finishes. Professional wrestling had yet to be optimized for maximum entertainment value. Frank Gotch would retire after holding the belt for five years, and in his time, no new stars had risen to take his place. On top of that, the United States entered World War I in 1917, depriving wrestling of funds, interest, and young men to compete. To survive, the one true sport would have to evolve. Bum, ba, na. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> do you not like the cliffhangers? No, I do like the cliffhanger. It just, like, for some reason, that just came to me. I just had to. Uh, <laughs> sometimes the John Cena thing just pops in my head. Because what a, what a good theme. It is a good theme. Yeah. It's, it's not my favorite. It sounds it's like, wait, well, it's not my favorite at all, but it just kind of sounds like a pause screen from like a Sonic the Hedgehog game. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's just in your head. It doesn't really mean anything. It's just kind of an earworm. So next week, we got the big event. It's called the big event. It's called the big event. Is it an NWA? It's a WWE, WWF show. It was actually like a, it was like a house show that was held in Toronto. In your house. They filmed it and released it on tape. On tape, and so it's not an actual. It was put on the pay per view section of, of the WWE yeah. network. We're like, ah, fine, sure, why not? How long is it? I think it's a couple hours, probably. Like seven hours, something like that. <laughs> seven hours, I'm tapping out. <laughs> but we're gonna watch WrestleMania. But, you know, I mean, I'm, yeah, but WrestleMania, uh, I'm, I'll have like beer and chicken wings. That's true. So the music from this week's show comes from the Great American Bash intro that we saw in the video. Dusty, Dusty's the winner of the main event, so he gets his music played. Can't judge a book by its cover by Hank Williams Jr. and Huey Lewis. Wait, so it's Hank Williams Jr. and Huey Lewis are both a tribute to that song? Yes. Like they, they wrote that song together? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they wrote it, but that's the version that I... But it's them, like, together performing it? Yeah. Okay. So if you want to rate us, review us, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or hopefully I'm wherever you found your podcast app, because if you found us, that means we're on there. So uh, let us know how what you think about us. Give us a uh, good rating, five stars, please, so more people can find us. Let other people know about us. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything at all, you can always email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com. Or you can always find us on Twitter at Wrestling Histo X. That's Wrestling H I S T O X. And we'll talk to you next week. Fun, fun, huh? <laughs>